Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. We're looking at it, uh, looking at the, the books of 1 and 2 Timothy. And, and in this, um, this first week, what I want to do is just provide an introduction to the, to the books of 1 and 2 Timothy so you know what they're all about, who, who the guy that wrote them is, and, and who Timothy is, and what the key messages are. Next week, we're going to be looking at sort of caring leadership, um, pastoral care, and then we're going to look at community care following that, and also we're going to be looking at discipleship. But just this week, I want to try and just give an introduction, some context to it all. Um, and, and what does this title, Dare to Care, mean? Well, for me this week, what I think it means is that Paul dared to care for the church, through, primarily through this guy, Timothy, in Ephesus. And he did it by speaking the truth to him, but in love. And that's the real key message that I wanted to take away today, that Paul spoke the truth, but by speaking the truth, he didn't just get off his chest a whole bunch of stuff that he wanted to, to say, but he, he loved people, he loved Timothy, and invested in Timothy. And in doing so, he protected the church, and he fostered growth. Amen? So that's what I want us to focus on today, <clears throat> speaking the truth in love. So a bit of background then. So the books of, of, of the, the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, uh, along with Titus, are called the pastoral epistles. Who's, who's ever heard that term, pastoral epistles? Well, well, the reason for that is because unlike most of the, the books of the New Testament, they're written to an individual person. They're not written to a, a church, they're written to an actual person, this guy Timothy in this case. So that's one thing that sets them apart. They largely consist of advice. So that sounds really useful, doesn't it? These are two books that contain loads of advice from Paul. And Paul, for those that um, are not familiar, he was a a key figure in the early church. He was a a leader. He established lots of churches, and he wrote about a third of the New Testament. So quite an important person. But the great thing about these books is that they give us an intimate insight into Paul's thinking, into his emotional state, into his into his priorities. And another thing to know is that although they were written to this person, Timothy, they are actually intended for us as well. So it's advice that we can can listen to and and gain gain wisdom from. So, real key question then, who was Timothy? What do we know about this guy, Timothy? I've put some stuff on there. Sorry if you can't see it all clearly. I'll read it out. But Timothy was an interesting, interesting guy. Things that we know about him. Well, his name means honoring God or or, or venerating God. He was born to a mixed marriage. So his mother was Jewish, um, living in a place called Lystra. But his his father was a Gentile, so an unbelieving father. Um, And as I said, he was a Galatian, so he lived in Lystra. His mother was, was called Eunice, and his grandmother was called Lois. And they became believers all at the same time when Paul, this, uh, this apostle, came to visit the town. And he turned up and he did all sorts of really cool stuff, right? So he, he would heal people. Handkerchiefs would heal people and shadows would heal people. I think, oh, that was Peter, wasn't it? And, and what actually happened was he raised... Um, a, there was a guy who was crippled from birth and, and Paul healed him. And that, that healing led to... Um, Timothy being, being saved, being converted, along with his mother and his grandmother. And it's interesting that God does work in families like that. Anyone, 
it just experience that. When, when sometimes when God touches somebody, it's the whole family that gets affected. Um, now, what else do we know about Timothy? Well, although he was, he was saved at this point, he was already familiar with the Scriptures because he was, he was brought up as a, as a Jew. So he was acquainted with the Scriptures since he was a young, a young boy. Some other things that we know about him. Um, he, there's a, a debate, just so you're aware, there's a debate about whether he was a timid person or a, a reserved person. I might come back to that. He was also relatively young. Relatively, I say. So we think he was about 30 years old when he was converted. And when Paul wrote to him in, in, in this letter, I think, we think he was about 48. So I say relatively young. So when, when Paul says, don't let people despise your youth, he wasn't 17. Which makes me feel a lot better. So what else do we know about him? Well, Paul talks about the fact that he was subject to ill health. He had frequent ailments. So that's interesting. Also, he was put in jail at least once. We know that from the book of Hebrews. Let's talk, let's talk about a little bit about his calling, the fact that he was, he was recognized as, a, as a, a leader. So what happened was Paul came to, to Lystra on his first missionary journey, or was it his second missionary journey, and then he got, Timothy got saved, and then he did good stuff, and he worked in, he, he was a part of the church there in, in Lystra. And, and, and he was recognized for being somebody who had a calling, somebody who had an anointing, if you like, or who, who, was, who was growing spiritually. So the first thing that happened was he was recommended by the local church leaders. And that's really important. When Paul returns to the city, he looks at Timothy and he sees, this is somebody that's really growing in God. And so what actually happened was he was commissioned by, by Paul and by the elders in that local church to to, I guess, join Paul in his apostolic party. So they laid hands on him, they prophesied over him, and there was an impartation of a spiritual gift into Timothy. Whether that was evangelism, I'm not sure what they mean by spiritual gift, but I think that was probably evangelism. And then what happens is, um, he's added to Paul's apostolic team, if you like, and he starts to travel around with, with Paul. And this partnership begins that I want to just try and unravel a, a bit today. And something strange happened in that Paul circumcised him. So that, that's a bit strange. Given the audience, I won't go into the detail of that. Um, but I guess the point here is that he had to become all things to all men. Because Paul was travelling around the Mediterranean to Jewish synagogues. And in order to have Timothy... With him, that was necessary, unfortunately. But actually, Paul taught very clearly elsewhere in the New Testament that that was, that, was not, that was not required for salvation. But it just shows you how close these two people were, doesn't it? So he partnered with Paul. And I just want to point out that this guy must have had a real life-changing experience to partner with Paul in this way, because he left his hometown and he travelled around, forsaking his own country, uh, his house, his parents. And he, what he shared with was, it might have looked exciting, and I'm sure it was exciting, but there was also suffering and persecution and poverty and all sorts of other horrible things. And then when Paul came to Lystra, he was stoned and left for dead. In actual fact, many people think he was dead and he was resurrected. I don't know about that, but 
he was, he was left for dead. So it was a pretty serious level of persecution in this, in this place. So rather than giving you a kind of a full history of all the things that Timothy did, because he stayed with Paul for most of his life, um, I'll just give you a few highlights. Um, Timothy arrived in Corinth, which is another church that Paul wrote to, just after Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. So has anyone read the book of 1 Corinthians? Well, Paul um, wrote that to them. Timothy arrived just after that, and then he realized that that letter didn't go down so well. So, then he, so he goes back to Paul, and he gives, he gives this report to Paul. So this is the kind of relationship that they have, right? Um, Timothy was with Paul in Corinth during the winter of, of AD 57-58, when Paul sent his letter to the Romans, a really, really important letter in the New Testament, the book of Romans. And, and Timothy's there with him while he's doing that. And then what happened was, Paul visited this place called Ephesus, which I'll, I'll explain in a minute, uh, in, in AD 63, after he was imprisoned. And then what happens is the two of them split up. So Paul goes on to Philippi, and Timothy is dispatched to Ephesus to deal with some problems in the church there, some false teachers. Um, so so that's, the, that's the basic history, uh, without going, and I've skipped over a lot of detail, but just for the sake of time, uh, that, that's the, kind of the headlines, really. And, and one thing I just want to highlight is that his relationship with, with Paul was really close. He, 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 Paul trusted him with stuff that he, I don't think he trusted anyone else with. And in actual fact, it says in Philippians, Paul says, I have no one else like him. Now, and this is important. Now, this, is, this is the Apostle Paul saying, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. And for everyone else, look, looks after their own interests, but not those of Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because he is a son, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And, and you know, for Paul to say, I have no one else like him, is really interesting. Because right at the very end of Paul's life, and we'll come on to it, he writes to him uh, in, from, from prison. Oh, the other thing I'd just like to point out is that Timothy's name is, is given as a co-author on a number of books in the New Testament. So on 2 Corinthians, on Philippians, on Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Philemon, all of these books, Timothy is, is down there as a co-author. I think sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves in, 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 in our memory of the early church, you know. So why did Paul write to him? I'm sorry, we're going into a bit of the background. We will come on to some of the scriptures in a minute. Well, really, it, hopefully you can all see that. These two letters are really different. The first letter is written to Timothy, but for the whole church to really have visibility of. The second letter is really him writing to Timothy as a friend. Um, the first letter was to support Timothy in his leadership of the Ephesian church, to give guidance for how he should appoint leaders, elders, and deacons, to address problems in the church, false teaching. The second letter, Paul's saying, please come and visit me. I'm in prison, and I'm not sure how long I've got left, but please bring my cloak and my, my manuscripts and these other things. And also, please be faithful to the ministry. Very different kind of letter. First one was, was saying, stay there, deal with the problems. The other letter was saying, come to visit me. I need you. Everyone's departed and left me. And you can see the fragility of Paul in that letter, actually. So that's what those two letters are really about. Addressing false teaching, particularly in the first letter. And it was really kind of urgent. They are two, two very different kind of letters. 
So let me just touch on the, on the historical kind of setting. What, what, what was this place of Ephesus? What do we know about it? Um, it's a really interesting place. Can we flick on to the next slide, please? Yeah, here we go. So we've got some pictures. So just so you know where it is, you can see the map there. If, if just to orientate you, that island in the, is, is the island of Cyprus. So just so you can see where you are in the Mediterranean. And just north of Cyprus, you've got basically Turkey in, 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 our, in our geography today. Now, on the right-hand side there, you can see Antioch. There was a big church there, by the way. Can you, see, can you see where Tarsus is, just north of Cyprus as well? That's where Paul was from. That's where he was born. And then you can see Lystra. I've mentioned Lystra. That's where Timothy's from. So can you see the geography there? Not that far apart. And then all the way over on the, on the coastline, you can see Ephesus. So what do we know about Ephesus as a city? It was a really big city. It was, a, it was um, populated by, they think, about half a million people. So that's pretty big, isn't it? Do you know how many people live in, in, in Birmingham today? It's about the same. So a massive city. Um, so about half a million people. It was the capital of the, of the Roman province, actually, at the time. It was a wealthy city. Um, and in this city, you can see on the right-hand side there, I put a picture of, the, of this, this goddess, Artemis, or Diana. This was the goddess that they worshipped, the Ephesians. And I won't go into the story, but there was a point where, they were, where Paul got persecuted and, and, and they got so upset that they, they said, Great is Artemis, goddess of the Ephesians, for two hours straight. They did nothing but chant that. Can you imagine that? Great is Artemis, goddess of the Ephesians, for two hours. So this was the culture in, in this place. There, was a, there were lots of Jews living in Ephesus. There were lots of other um, religions and um, and so as a kind of uh, a meeting point of lots of different thinking, I suppose, it, 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 at that time. So it was an important church to Paul and to, uh, and, and to in early Christianity. And it was, as I said, home to all these Hellenistic, these, these Greek um, mystery religions. And the other thing I'll say about Ephesus, just before we move on, is that it was obviously an important city in the New Testament because there were four letters that were written to it. So we have the book of Ephesians, obviously. We've also got the book of 1 Timothy, which is what we're talking about now. And we've also, we've also got the, the letter of 1 John. 1 John was probably written by the Apostle John as a circular letter to lots of churches, but primarily to Ephesus, where he was based. And also, we've got the, the letters that are given at the beginning of the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. And in, the, in that, we've got a letter to the Ephesians, which is the first church that's addressed. Okay. Right, let's move on. Let's just have a quick talk about false teachers. Who, what, what do we mean by false teachers? Why was it important? It, it, that's an odd thing, I think, for the modern church to think about, isn't it? False teaching. But for Paul, this was of critical importance. And I'll come back to why in, in, in a bit. But basically, for Paul to protect and pastor, for the, and pastor Timothy and to protect and pastor the early church, protecting the truth was of vital importance. And so addressing wrong teaching was critical. And in Ephesus, there were a number of, of, of false teachers. So who were they? Well, interestingly, in the, in the Ephesian church, they were probably insiders. In other words, teachers within the church. They were, may have been even elders within the church. There were two particular ringleaders, um, Hymenaeus and Alexander, I think. And they were excommunicated. And they taught all sorts of things. So just very quickly, the sorts of things they were teaching at the time. So lots of Jewish myths and things around 
genealogies and, 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 um, and dates. Lots of stuff uh, about um, legalism in generally, Jewish legalism, Jewish laws, and the need to, to obey these laws to get saved. Uh, lot, some stuff on greed, the love of money, and uh, ethical relativism. That means that what society accepts is how we should live our life. That, in other words, there's no absolute truth about a moral code in the, from Scripture, but really how we live our lives should be relative to what society deems is appropriate. And that's wrong, isn't it? Um, and also, they, they had some weird views about the end times. Um, they, they were neglecting evangelism. They believed that the resurrection had already passed. So these are the things that Paul's writing to them to, to address. And so what actually happened was... Many of the women were deceived. It upset the faith of many people in the church and caused many people, according to Paul, to stray after Satan. So, a little, that, that's false teachers. Let's move on then. So, I want to pick up on this issue of Paul's relationship with Timothy. And in the context of this big city, with all this other stuff going on, um, Paul's priorities were to, to give instructions to Timothy... To, to appoint leaders and, and take some personal responsibility for pastoral care and invest in Timothy by mentoring him. So, mentoring. Who's, who's, uh, who's got a mentor at the moment? Just, just interested to know. A few of us have got mentors. Is that in the workplace? Yeah? Primarily in the workplace? Well, I discovered that... Um, can we just flick onto the next slide, please? Thanks. So I'm unfortunately, it's showing some hidden slides that I've forgotten to remove. Um, we had this thing recently. On the 27th of October, it was National Mentoring Day. Uh, anyone hear about this? It was pretty a low-key, soft launch, I would suspect. Um, this thing called National Mentoring Day happened. And there's a quote here that was given on, on a work uh, page that I saw that says this about mentoring. I thought it was interesting. It says, Mentoring is supporting and encouraging people to manage their own learning in order that they may maximize their potential, develop their skills, improve their performance, and become the person that they want to be. What do you think about that as a definition of mentoring? I'm not sure I I like it, in a a biblical context, actually. And I'll tell you why. But I'm interested to know what you think mentoring is. Is What is mentoring? Is it coaching? Is that the same thing? Is it equipping? Is it leading? Is it uh, training? Is it all those things? What, are we, what, what did Paul mean by, what, we, what, are, what do I mean by Paul's mentoring of Timothy? Well, I don't think it means allowing Timothy to be the person that he wanted to be. I think it's about enabling Timothy to be the person that God wanted him to be. Isn't that the difference? So it's not focused on what, what you want, that, Managing your own learning, it's actually about giving you some truth and some principles and some behaviors that you can live by and allowing you to be the person that God wants you to be. So, so I think with, with the way that Paul mentored people was he took them with him. So Paul comes away from his hometown in Lystra and he starts to follow Paul around and he starts to experience not just healings and miracles, but also persecutions. And he starts to experience all sorts of new things in his life. And I think, yeah, so we've got some scriptures up here. When we we look at Paul, this is how he taught him. 
Um, these, these are from another book in Corinthians, but the scripture says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. That's a really bold thing to say, isn't it? I urge you to basically copy me. Paul was so confident that he was following God properly that he was able to say to Timothy, just watch me and you'll be okay. But isn't that amazing to have somebody like that that you are confident in, that you can say, okay, I'll just watch how you live your life, I'll watch your faith, I'll watch your doctrine, I'll watch your, the way that you interact with people, the way that you correct people, the way that you um, relate to God, and I'll just follow, and I'll just copy that. That's quite releasing, isn't it, I think? And that's what Paul did. He gave him experience. So who do we look up to in the faith? That's a question, isn't it? Do you have anyone that you look up to in, in, in Christian ministry or, or maybe elsewhere? Who, who else would you like to mentor you? Just a rhetorical question for today, really. A few of us put hands up when I asked you, who, have you got a mentor? I don't think it was that many of us. And just to put a challenge out there today, I think having somebody who can mentor us is, is so releasing and so, and so important for our growth. Many of us, I think myself included, have at times suffered from not having a, a, a godly mentor, a father who could invest in a spiritual son. And that's necessary for us to grow as Christians, isn't it? Um, for pastoral care to work in this church, I really do believe that we need to pursue people who excel in ministry, who excel in life. So Paul says, I urge you to imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, let's, let's move on. Um, I think I'll skip over some of the stuff on, on training. Let's have a look at, men- staying with the theme of mentoring. Um, I've stolen some stuff here, blatantly stolen some three Ps from uh, Rick Warren, who wrote an article on mentoring I thought was really good. And he's, he, he gives these three Ps, and I've enlarged on it a little bit. Three phases of mentoring and that we can see in Paul's relationship with Timothy. A parenthood phase, a, pr- a pace-setting phase, and a partnering phase. So first of all, as I've mentioned, Paul was a, a spiritual father to Timothy. He, 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 show, he, he, he didn't just demonstrate or tell him what the truth was, but he showed him how to behave and, and helped him be grounded. But he also set the pace. He also set the example of how to live his life. And so... So Timothy could emulate his lifestyle. But what actually happened was Timothy started off as a young guy who was, who was, a, who was a kind of a spiritual son, and then he became a partner. Paul talks about him as a co-worker, as a, as a, as a fellow worker. Um, and that's the whole idea, isn't it, that we develop into colleagues, into partners. And that really released him. And as I said before, if we look at this scripture in Philippians 2.19, it says that I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Now, that's obviously important for Paul, isn't it? So have no one else like him who really genuinely loves you. For everyone else looks to their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with a father, has served with me in the work of the gospel. So mentoring in, in, that, in those days was, a, was often you would have a father who would teach his son a trade. And the son would learn the trade, learn the skills required, but not just the skills that are required, but also how to behave, how to work with customers, how to, what are, what are the 
you know, how does the money work? And everything that goes with this trade will be learned. And what Paul is saying here is, as a son with his father, um, so he is served with me in the work of the gospel. And I think, you know, one of the things that is so sad about today in our society is that we, we have the breakdown of homes. We have the breakdown of relationships between sons and daughters with their fathers and mothers. And in many cases, we've got these non-existent relationships. And in time past, it was the son and the father that worked together. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know what God's saying here, but I just felt there was something about this this morning that God wanted to get across, that, uh, that, that you need a spiritual father. I mean, we have our father God, but actually we have others in the church who can be spiritual fathers and mothers to us. And I was really, you know, I mean, same when we had the conference, you talked about Stuart as a spiritual father. And I can see that, you know, how important that has been, and I'm sure there are other people as well. But having people who we can look up to, who we can learn from. And, and, and in Timothy's case, if we think about Timothy, his, his actual physical father wasn't around. And he wasn't probably a believer. And maybe this morning, you, you know, your situation is, a, you, your physical father isn't a believer. And maybe that's caused you harm and hurt. But actually, God wants you to know that he will bring people into your life that will be a, a spiritual father to you who can, who can reset, reset the love of God in your life. Amen? I just believe that's, that's for somebody this morning. So we have these three Ps. I want to add a fourth P because there was something else that happened that there was a passing on to other people, a passing on of wisdom and truth to other people. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says this, And the things that you've heard from me, commit these to faithful men, that, you, that they will be able to teach others also. So there was this kind of passing on from spiritual generation to spiritual generation. So a primary importance to us is correct teaching, correct doctrine, and the passing on, the investment, in each other. So if we're going to dare to be, if we're going to dare to care for each other, it means that we need to know the truth, and we need to be able to love each other and share that truth with each other. Amen. And the truth is really precious. It really is. Knowing the truth is really, really precious. Jesus said, "If you know the truth, the truth will set you free." We have to protect that truth. Um, in fact, Trevor, would you mind coming up, Trevor? You shared with me a very quick image this morning. That is, I think, it's probably quite useful, the image of the fence. Is that all right? Uh, just to we'll put this in context, every Sunday morning we get together at quarter to ten. So if you want to come along and pray, that's a good time to do that uh, for the meeting. And um, I ask the Lord, as um, Richard uh, Dave Ritchie has been encouraging us in the uh, seminar. What, what do you want to say this morning? I had a picture of uh, some netting. And um, then this whole issue of truth came up. And I felt that the, uh, the netting, you can feel like netting is that which is going to stop you from getting to somewhere else. But it's also, a netting can be to stop things coming in and to allow you freedom within the netted area. And I felt like that it was to do with enjoying the truth that God has given us and being able to be protected from that which is outside that God would not have us to be burdened with. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Trevor. So that image of uh, offence, it, it, it protects us, it get, but it also gives us freedom. Knowing the truth will set us free. Amen? All right, let's just move on to... I want to talk about four things, four pillars that Paul, I think, that were important in Paul's approach for pastoring Timothy and investing in Timothy so he could pastor and protect that church. So real quick, four key things. Leadership, order, truth, and love. I I would have turned these into actual pillars if I had real PowerPoint skills, but sadly I don't. So we have these four things. You know, Paul provided leadership, didn't he? He gave direction. He gave instruction. He, he, he provided encouragement. But he also invested in order. He made sure that there were elders that were appointed properly, that there were deacons, other parts of the leadership team. And he set standards and qualifications for, for, those, um, for those leaders. He raised the importance of truth, didn't he? For Timothy to follow doctrine, to identify and correct errors, and dare to speak the truth. It must have been quite hard for Timothy to be surrounded by lots of elders or, or, or senior people, probably older than him, and have to correct them and speak the truth in love. That must have been difficult. I can feel for him because you, want, you don't want to rebuke an older man without it being from God in the right way. Amen? So that's, that was a difficult thing. He also was encouraged by Paul to flee worldliness and pursue righteousness and godliness and gentleness and and peace. And so we have this other pillar of love as well, which is to know how to treat people. We need to know how to treat people properly, don't we? And and Paul um, talks about in this letter honoring elders, older people, honoring widows, honoring masters in the workplace, pursuing love and patience. Uh, So... So these four pillars, I think, are really, really important. And I know when we talk about pastoral care, we tend to think about listening to people's issues and problems, and that's an important part of it. But what I want to get across today is we need to dare to care to establish right leadership, to establish right order, but also to to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love, from a heart of care for people. Amen? Not from a desire to tell people off, not from a desire to, to, to correct, to elevate my own wisdom, but to correct in order to bring growth and restore relationship. Amen? And there's such a difference. And I really felt, um, as I was preparing this, you know, I've, I've personally had some difficult experiences in church. Anyone that's been around church for a number of years probably has, right? But, you know, I, I, I've been in, worked in different churches. Not all of those experiences were great. And in some cases, I've been corrected with some stuff that was probably accurate, but wasn't very loving. And that can, that can affect you. And I felt maybe there's one or two people here today that have had people correct them with truth, but it's been very damaging. And um, I just feel that Lord will say to you, I love you. I want to reset internally that correction. And you need to know that I put my arms around you and, uh, and that I love you. So... So that pillar of truth and that pillar of love are the ones I really want to focus on. Uh, Remember, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Timothy uh, was a guy that needed to be told, be strong. You know, we can care for people by encouraging them, can't we? Being a a kind of Barnabas figure. Paul says to Timothy, be strong. Uh, He says, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Do you know how many times Paul said to Timothy, be strong? 
Have a guess. Go on. How many, how many times do we think he told them to be strong? In these two letters, 25 times. 25 times. And they're not very long letters. So Paul obviously knew that Timothy needed to be strong, but be strong in the grace of Jesus. Not strong in his own strength, but be strong in the grace of Jesus. Um, and Paul knew what that was like, didn't he? He knew what it was like to, 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 uh, to receive the strength of God's grace. Because Paul, you know, it says in, in 1, 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay. I think I will skip over some of this stuff that I have prepared to, to say, because I just want to go back to this subject of truth and speaking in love. Okay, so, yeah, I think we'll miss that, that scripture in the middle that talks about a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. There's some really good stuff in there, but we'll leave that for today. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. So sometimes when, when it comes to the way that we care for each other, we need to remind and encourage each other to, to, to work hard and to be diligent and to, to do the stuff that's going to cause fruit to grow in our lives and to rightly divide the word of God. And actually, just one thing I want to say about rightly dividing the word of God. If there's a way to rightly divide the word of God, there's a way to wrongly divide the word of God. Amen? And we need to be so careful that we interpret the Bible properly. And, and that's where we need to challenge each other. Uh, it wasn't you know, just enough for Timothy to have a familiarity with Scripture. He needed to know the truth and know how to explain the truth in order to pastor and care for, his, for, for, for the church that he was in. You know, we need to rightly handle the word of God like we would rightly handle a sword, like we'd rightly handle um, a plow or something else. Because not everyone cuts the truth straight. Um, you know, if something is true, I need to know how it's true. I need to know when it's true, when it will work for me, when won't it work for me. What are the principles that govern the truth? Um, how does the enemy manifest a lie to, to try and draw us away from that truth? That's, that's the kind of level of truth that we, um, of, of knowledge that we need to get into. But just as we finish up today then, just a reminder that actually the key message here, the way that we should dare to be different, is by speaking truth to each other but in love. Um, who knows that scripture, faithful are the wounds of a friend? It's a proverb. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes that's misused as well. Um, but that's true, isn't it? You know, sometimes we, you know, friend, real friends can tell us the truth because they care for us. And it might wound a little bit initially, but actually it will help us to grow. And um, speaking about Timothy, uh, sorry, speaking to Timothy, Paul says to him, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. So Paul actually tells him to be gentle. So he gets a bit of stick, I think, Timothy. Be gentle to all, able to teach. And look what he says. He says, be patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition to you. And, you know, love is patient, isn't it? Love is kind. Love bears with people. And love doesn't just shout off an opinion. Uh, so that's, that's really important. Um, be gentle to all able, uh, and, and patient. correcting those who are in opposition. So that's really all I wanted to say in terms of 1 and 2 Timothy by way of introduction. So just to summarize, 
Paul had a brilliant relationship with Timothy. He developed relationships with people so that he could speak into their lives honestly, so that they would receive that wisdom and be able to model what, Timothy, uh, what, what Paul had shown them in, in the churches that they were leading. And, and so Paul was effective because he was able to instill in a new generation of people the truth and, and how to behave and how to love each other. So just as we finish, I just want to say that our church is a brilliant church. We're, we're a great church, but we want to be even better. Amen? And, you know, we do so many good things. We do, we do demonstrate love for each other in lots of different ways. We, we demonstrate love to the community in lots of different ways. Through, you know, we've got the food bank and CAP, and there's lots of other things in our missions to other, other countries. But we, want, we can be even better. And I just want to lay out a few questions just to, on the last slide here. And I'll read them because I don't think you can probably read that. But it's just a few rhetorical questions just to challenge ourselves, okay? But hear my heart in this. This is just for us to, to, to get even closer to God and allow us to be a community that will actually be able to speak into each other's lives in a loving way. But do we have close relationships with others in the church? Just challenge you. If you don't have a close relationship with, with anyone in this church, then we need, that's something we need to address, isn't it? We should have good relationships with each other. Who are our mentors? Do we have a mentor? Do we take personal responsibility for how we treat other people? Do we allow ourselves to receive truth from others, even at the expense of our feelings? Paul was somebody who spoke truth, even if it did hurt feelings. But you know that he cared for you and that he wanted to protect you. Do we respect authority in the leaders that God's put in place? Do we ignore issues, perhaps, that are harming our community? And here's, a here's one for, for our society today. Do we get easily offended? Do we get easily offended, or do we allow the word of God to be the final authority in our lives? I know that's a hard question to ask. But I think sometimes we have to just, just guard against that, that, that spirit of being easily offended. Do we have the heart of Christ for each other? Do we love each other sincerely? And when we correct, if we do have to correct, do we do it humbly? Are we listening to God for other people? Are you praying for, 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 for folks in your connect group? Are you praying for folks that you see on Sunday morning when you have those conversations? And do we take that responsibility for other people's growth? When I was... Um, just, I'll just finish with one story. Um, when I was a, a, a teenager... I was going through a difficult time, uh, struggling with my faith and, and, and wanting to just express myself as a growing adult, I suppose, and doing a few things that weren't very helpful, I, I guess, um, as you do when you're a teenager. But what I didn't know was that in, in the church that I was a part of at that time, they had this thing where they set up a, like a, like a, everyone in the church was given one of the children to pray for. So, so somebody, if somebody had me down, I didn't know this, right? Uh, and, they, and this person had faithfully prayed for me for, I think it was well over a year. And then there was a point at which I, I, I went to uh, a, a Bible week and I, I, I recommitted my life to God. And it was, a, it was a really significant event in my life. And when I came back to church, you know, I told them the story and it was great. And we all had, you know, we all cried and it was wonderful. Um, and this lady that I didn't know very well, just lived up the road, came up to me and she said, oh, I'm so pleased, you know, I, um, I've been praying for you for... 15 months or something. And uh, I, actually, the, the spiritual atmosphere that was allowed for, you know, to, to, to affect me was because of her prayers. 
and, and no doubt, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the prayers of other people as well. Um, do we love each other by praying for people? And not just praying one or two prayers, like, like Hannah said last week, do we do, oh, uh, Lord, uh, just pray for Bob, thanks, amen. Oh, hi, Bob, how are you doing? But do we commit, do we make a, a quality decision? Do we hear God for people? And it might be that this morning God's speaking to you to say, actually, you know what, you should be praying for somebody. You should be praying for Bob, Jim, Esther, Mark, whoever. And if God is saying that to you, take it seriously. And, 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 and hold them up in prayer. And, let, and that's a way that we can care for each other. Amen? So I will finish on that note. Um, I think, you know, just to say, as, as you do care for other people, God brings blessings to you as well, doesn't he? You know, when Paul mentored Timothy, he was also blessed in doing so. He also had joy. You know, the apostle John said, I have joy to see your growth. Amen? So, so uh, as we do that, God will bless us. Amen. Bless you all. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.